Good morning. <laughs> About that pizza. <laughs> hey, when, when uh, Jacob, my youngest, was in elementary school, both before and after we moved to Wabash, he was enthralled with this particular cartoon called Pokemon. Now, personally, I thought it was terrible. I mean, the animation was bad. The storyline wasn't much better. And, but Jacob loved it. Cheryl was teaching piano uh, after, uh, at, at the after school hours, and that's when the program ran. So Jacob and I would go in my room, and we would watch it together. After you watch the same program over and over, you start getting into it. And, and I ended up cheering for Ash, the lead character, as he um, battled other Pokemon owners with his seemingly inferior Pokemon and still won uh, with the help of his friend or pet, Pikachu? I don't know. Pikachu was this little dog-cat hybrid something. It was hard to tell. I told you the animation was bad, but he was made of lightning or something like that. Now, that was the cartoon. But the cartoon was really just a half an hour advertisement for the real product. Pokemon cards. These cards were trading cards that you could use to, to battle your friends who had the cards and, and have your own Pokemon battles. But the game itself, as far as I could tell, wasn't the real reason to buy Pokemon cards. It was just collecting the cards. And some of the cards were really rare, so you had to keep buying packs of cards so that you could end up with a bigger, better Pokemon somehow. And Jacob ended up with some really rare cards. For those of you who, who know those things, back then uh, Charizard was something. I don't know. So Christmas for several years was like playing the lottery. All he wanted were those cards. And, and since you had no idea what was in a pack of Pokemon cards, you had to wait until Christmas morning to find out if you got your child something he actually wanted or something he already had. It was crazy. But whoever came up with this marketing strategy was absolutely brilliant. It was addictive. My son was a Pokemon addict. And I was supporting his habit. He had hundreds of these Pokemon cards, and they were sorted out in a huge binder with special Pokemon card plastic sheets that you had to buy because each of these strange Pokemon characters had several stages of growth and powers. It was crazy. Eventually, Jacob grew up. Well, if you know Jacob, you know that's not really true. But he did grow out of collecting Pokemon cards. And like all things do, the fad started to die out. And Pokemon wasn't so popular. When Jacob was older, there was a young boy here at church, and he was still into the Pokemon craze, and J Jacob gave his prize collection of hundreds of Pokemon cards away to a boy who could still enjoy them. And before you jump up and scream, hey, Pokemon is still popular. Yes, I know. A few years after Jacob handed over his prize collection, the craze resurfaced and my son was wandering the neighborhoods trying to collect Pokemon on his phone, no less. And before you laugh, how many of you were doing the same thing? No? 
I did not. Some of the staff, however, I, I don't know. We are in a three-part series about the gift. Now, the first week, we looked at the authenticity of the gift. Is the gift the real thing, or is it a counterfeit gift in its place? As, as we looked at the Christmas story, we could see many prophecies that were fulfilled, directly and indirectly related to the birth of Jesus. He had to be born of a virgin. Now, that in itself sounds impossible, right? But if you believe the scriptures, and I do, that in itself is reason to believe that Jesus was who he says he was. His lineage, his genealogy had to be precise. He had to be born in the right place. And remember, his parents didn't live there. It was a crazy set of circumstances that took him, took Joseph and his nine-month pregnant wife Mary to Bethlehem. He was presented with gifts, also prophesied. And because Herod was trying to kill him because of the prophecies, the family escaped to Egypt, also prophesied. You see, God provided various signs and conditions for us to look out for, to watch for, so that when the Messiah showed up, we would believe and receive who he really was. The second week of this series was exploring the purpose of the gift. Some gifts just provide a season of enjoyment, right? Some gifts are meant to last, like a tool or a memory. The gift of Christmas, however, had a purpose that was made known before we ever saw the child itself. The names given to the child in the book of Matthew told us what the child's purpose was going to be. The name, Jesus, means the Lord saves. Christ, or Messiah, means the anointed one. And Emmanuel means God with us. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. And this was a, a sacrificial lamb, a lamb to be sacrificed for our sins. And if we leave the baby in the manger, then we're leaving the gift unwrapped. If the gift is not authentic, how can it be the right gift? And the gift, if the gift doesn't serve its purpose, then it's not good for anything. But today I want to talk to you about the result of the gift. There are very few gifts that can change your life. Oh, there are gifts that can make your life easier for sure. But change your life? One year, we opened all the gifts uh, at the house. We, we lived in Merritt Island, Florida. And uh, after we had opened all the gifts and, and the kids were, were buying their gifts, seeing what they were going to play with first, Cheryl and I told them that we have one more present for them. And it was for all three of them. So we took them out in the garage and inside the garage was a wicker basket with a red bow on it. And inside that wicker basket was a golden cocker spaniel puppy. We named him Calvin. And he was a good dog. And this is a gift, yes, that the kids can play with. It's a gift that was pretty to look at. Um, it, it was a, something that a gift should be in a lot of different ways. But in another way, this gift can be life-changing. Because this is a gift that you love. This is a gift that you care for, that you become responsible for. 
you protect this gift, feed this gift, love this gift, and I believe personally that this gift loves you in return. And when the gift is gone, you grieve. In some very important ways, this gift changed you. It's the result of that kind of gift. The Christmas story is a beautiful one. The angel who visits Mary and, and tells her that she's going to bear God's son. Um, and, and that this child would be a gift to the world. And Joseph, who also gets a heavenly visitor, um, takes the already pregnant Mary home to be his wife. The trip to Bethlehem, the angels singing to the shepherds on the hillside, and the shepherds running to Bethlehem to find the baby they were told about. The magi who traveled for over a year just to find the baby king and to worship him. It's, it's a beautiful story. As a matter of fact, it's so beautiful that we dress up the house, we shine up the town, we put up lights, and we sing of the glories of the Christ child. And as we have already discussed, this child had a purpose, and it was to save the world from sin, to be a sacrifice that would once and for all provide forgiveness for sins, to reconcile us to the God of heaven. And all you need to do to receive that forgiveness, that reconciliation, is to accept the gift. Open the gift by the waters of baptism and confess to the world that this is your gift. It's why God came to earth. But belief, acceptance, confession, baptism, that's not the result of the gift. That's the purpose of the gift. That's not the end of the journey. That's the beginning of the journey. This gift was meant to change you inside. And when Jesus left the earth and ascended to heaven, he provided a life changer for each of us. In John 14, starting in verse 23, it says this. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then in John 16, starting in verse 5, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So look at it this way. When Jesus was walking the earth... He was with the apostles. He was with his disciples. He was with the teachers of the law. He was with the lame, the blind, all those people that he was physically with. Jesus was with whoever he was with. When Jesus left and went to the be, be with the Father, he, they, sent the Holy Spirit. So now, Emmanuel, God with us, is with everybody 
at the same time all over the world. Everybody who accepts Jesus as their Savior and did, does what, what does it say in, in John 14? Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And how can we be assured of this? Well, Peter told us in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a life-changing gift. It's not plastic surgery or Botox or anything that's going to change your appearance. This is something that changes the way that you see the world around you. It changes the way that you interact with others. It changes the way that you feel inside. In Galatians 5, it, it talks about to normal human behavior and there's a long list of normal human behavior the selfishness of man but in verse 22 it lets us see what comes with this life changing gift but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control against such things there is no law with this gift we can turn hate into love we can turn sorrow into joy and tension into peace you get the idea it is the fruit it is the result of the gift let me read to you this is a longer passage but Matthew 25 starting in verse 31 when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now I want you to picture this for a minute. You are standing before the God of heaven and he starts to move you. You over here you on, on this side you and you over here then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a, a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or, or sick and in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I tell you, that's scary that is one of, if not the scariest passages in the Bible. But it is an example of what a changed life looks like. This passage forces us to see if our lives have changed or not. It shows the importance of the acts that we perform as evidence of the Spirit of God living in us. On January 10th, we are going to begin a 10-week series called Rooted. And in this series, we're going to discuss seven steps or, or rhythms that lead to life change. And I would encourage each of you to dive in and immerse yourself in this study. Now, remember what I said. This study can lead to life change. You are not going to be all that you can be at the end of 10 weeks. But we are going to provide you opportunities to engage those seven steps, those seven rhythms of rooted to spur on an ongoing change in your life. Our vision here at Bachelor Creek is glorifying God through changed lives. And we know that these changes don't happen all at once. They are incremental changes step by step experience by experience until our heart softens and God molds us into something new I have been a Christian for over 45 years I am an ordained minister I help people take these steps but I still have steps of my own to take until we are just like Jesus there is still more to do we have a new key phrase you saw it as you came into the door this morning it says Jesus changes everything are you getting a theme here it's change it's growth it's adapting it's surrendering until we are just like Jesus Cheryl wrote a, a, a beautiful story um, for this series. Three-part story. If you, if you missed the other two parts, make sure you go back and watch that online. But it's about a family who took a step. And this step was unusual. It was unwelcomed. It was uncomfortable. It was unwanted. It meant giving up something that they desired and giving it to someone else, ultimately giving it to God. And in the third and final scene, we saw what God has done so many times. He changed someone's heart. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you've experienced it for yourself. 
at the beginning of the trip, you're pretty sure, pretty confident that um, what you are going to do is go somewhere and bless somebody's life with your selfless act of giving. But on the way back, you begin to see how God has blessed you through the experience, and you begin to change. Remember when I was talking about my son Jacob? He was obsessed with collecting every Pokemon he could find. It was all about gathering those things for himself. But as he matured, those things weren't as important as they once were. And when he saw one else, someone else that could be blessed by what he gathered, he gave it away. That's what God has called us to do. By loving Jesus and doing what he commanded us to do, by becoming mature in the faith and through the evidence of the Holy Spirit, our lives are changed. It's no longer about what we can gather to ourselves, but how we can bless others with what we've gathered. This time of year, uh, we hear a lot about the spirit of Christmas. And I know this is an odd Christmas message. But I want you to understand uh, starting before Thanksgiving any, anyway, um, Christmas shows are on my TV nonstop. Cheryl loves them, and the cheesier the better. And let me tell you, they are predictable. Two people, two unlikely people fall in love and one of them at least is having a personal crisis of some kind. And, and they have a fight that you're sure is going to break them up for good but somebody has a change of heart and they come back together and they live happily ever after. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's cheesy but you know what's neat? Almost all of them mention the spirit of Christmas. And the spirit of Christmas is portrayed as giving. And you know what? That's pretty accurate. Giving our time, giving our energy, giving our finances, giving our love, that is the result of the changed life. That is the result of the baby in the manger. That is the result of God with us, and that is the result of the gift. That is the result of Jesus, and Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, keep working on us. Keep working on me. Father, mold us, melt us, move us, push us, shove us, do whatever you need to do to make us more like Jesus. Father, touch our lives so that we, we just keep moving in that direction. Help us to look around us at, at people who are in need. Help us to look around us at people who need love, people who need finances, people who need joy, people who need anything that we can help provide. Father, I, I, I just want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a goat. 
I want to be the one who has the promise of eternity. I want to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. I want to love the unlovable. I want to have more patience. Oh, that scares me to pray that. Father, I ask that you be with us in this season as we, as we think about the Christ child. And I want to think beyond the manger. I want to think beyond acceptance. I want to think that this child came to save me. But this child changed my life. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this morning. Amen.